The Obald by Robert McMinn Chapter 3 Thursday, 3rd of November Ronnie was badly hung over on Thursday morning. The weather was cold but dry, so he decided to attempt to clear his head by cycling to work. After ten minutes, breathing in the chilled air, he had to stop to cough and vomit into a drain. Passing motorists gave him disgusted looks. He wiped his mouth on his sleeve and carried on, pedalling in the lowest available gear, freewheeling when he could, and finally arriving at work at 7.20. Nibs was already upstairs with the post. Ronnie had no intention of helping him today. He locked his bike in the cage, walked around to the front entrance and half crawled up the stairs to floor four, where he went to vomit again in the toilet, then sat on the closed seat with his head in his hands. His brain had shrunk to the size of a walnut and was rattling around inside his skull. The night before, it felt in celebratory mood when Sukjeev told him the news and had switched from pints to sundowners soon after she left. It stayed with Dave till closing time, discussing, among other things, all the women in the office floor by floor and the new CCTV system being tested nearby. Dave knew about the system but said there was nothing to worry about. He had seen the images from the cameras and they were useless. CCTV would be a failure, it said, and would never catch on. Ronnie finally emerged from the toilet when he was sure he wasn't going to be sick again. A girl on the other side of the office, Sam, kept a box of a powdered hangover treatment in her desk drawer. Ronnie limped along and riffled through the drawer until he found it, returning to the kitchen to get some water. While he drank the sweet, fizzy stuff, he boiled a kettle and made a coffee. He was sweaty and clammy and could feel blood thumping in his capillaries. He also regretted not bringing a toothbrush to work and made do with a stick of gum. All he could find, searching his colleagues' drawers, was juicy fruit. Fuck. Mel always kept mints about her person, but Thursday was her day at college. No work was completed on the morning of November the 3rd. All thoughts of investigating the flower girl, Melody, were banished from his mind as he attempted to get through the morning. At first, he thought he'd sat down at the wrong desk. He was so disoriented but then realised that it was just that some of his files were out of place. On her post-collection round, Sukjeev had noticed his sorry state and later brought him another coffee, along with two tablets of a new drug called Nurofen. Ronnie had seen it advertised but never tried it. Sukjeev claimed it was safe to take it alongside paracetamol, so he did. While he started to feel sleepy from the double dose of painkillers, the hangover diminished. Still, he declined Dave Cooper's offer of a lunchtime drink and didn't think about raising his head again till close to one when it entered his consciousness that one o'clock was about the time that he'd seen Melody heading off for lunch the day before. The cold air outside the building helped clear his head a little and he stood on the street willing Melody to emerge from her office door. As she didn't, he headed down towards McDonald's for another filio fish and fries. The salty food helped his stomach and the strawberry milkshake restored something to his system. He went to the town square to eat his junk food 
sitting in the November sunshine, willing the hangover to end. He felt better as he walked back up the road towards the office. Back inside, he blitzed a few easy items in his post folder to make up for the lack of work in the morning, then turned to his VDU terminal and started to search for Melody's name. He learned early on that this new computer database returned more hits with less input. Typing Melody as a forename returned a couple of screens worth of hits, which wasn't too many to look through. Further refinement with the first two letters of the local postcode narrowed the results to two. Melody Ann Smith, 47, widowed, living in council accommodation, and Melody Jane Adams, 33, single, employed by the local FE college. He pulled the files from the racks to look for photos, but neither of these appeared to be the Melody who worked across the road. He returned to the full list with no postcode information and none of them matched the age profile of the girl in the window. There were no more files held locally he could check. It was four o'clock. Ronnie cut his losses and cycled home. Halfway there, he realised he could have checked the files of the solicitors to see if any employees were listed there. Tomorrow. After sleeping away the early evening, he felt well enough to make himself something to eat. He had little but pasta in the house, but a tin of tomatoes and some cheese and milk completed a meal of comfort food. He watched TV until 11 o'clock and had switched it off in preparation for going to bed when the phone rang. This time, he picked it up. It's me, said Mel. Melanie. How was college? Boring. How was your day? Shit. Hungover. Did you miss work? It would never occur to Ronnie to skip work because he'd drunk too much the night before. No, but I didn't achieve much today. Do we ever? There was no answer to that. Mel continued... I booked us some tickets for the NFT, Saturday. Paul's working overtime all weekend. I thought we could make a day of it in London. Okay. The other boyfriend was clearly not a battle worth fighting. It could be your birthday treat. Long silence. It's not my birthday till next month. But I'll probably be otherwise occupied then. More silence. Ronnie had decided not to enter into the debate about Paul. Okay, so we'll talk about it tomorrow, he said. How are you now? Feeling human again? What are you doing? About to go to bed? Silence. What? I said I wish I could go with you. Her voice seemed small, lonely. Well, as usual... He didn't know what to say to her. There was more silence. Electronic wind blew on the line. You aren't drinking again tonight? She asked, as if the tense silences were nothing. No, and the world didn't end. What does that mean? Nothing. Ignore me. What were you doing before you rang? Thinking about ringing you. Does it ever occur to you to phone before it's gone eleven? Another... Long silence. So you were home the other night when I rang? She finally said. What? No. What do you mean? You knew I'd phoned then, didn't you? 
No, you told me, didn't you? His denial sounded weak and feeble and he knew it. Never mind. In answer to your question, yes, it does occur to me to phone earlier in the evening. But I sit and think about it a lot before I do it. She rung off. Ronnie stared pointlessly at the phone and replaced it in its cradle. He toyed with the dial, thinking about ringing her back. Finally, guilt got the better of him and he dialed her number. A man's voice. Hello? Is Mel there? Who is this? Ronnie, friend of hers. She's asleep in bed, I should think. Try again tomorrow. He hung up. Mel's dad? Ronnie turned off the lights in the flat and went to brush his teeth. There was something about Mel, something he hadn't quite grasped before. Because she was a little bit younger than him, because she'd left school when she was 16, he'd not really understood what she was about. Thinking a typical of the local youth scene, which was complete with lack of ambition and disdain for education. Every conversation recently with Mel had revealed something new. It was odd, but the more awkward and tense things got between them, the more he liked her. She was an enigma, and Ronnie was, it seemed, increasingly drawn to enigmatic girls.